Hello and welcome to the Company Watch On The Spot podcast. I'm Joe Kettner, CEO of Company Watch, and I'm joined by Nick Hood, Financial and Commercial Risk Analyst. Welcome, Nick. Good morning, Joe. We are recording today's episode in the morning or stroke afternoon of Thursday, the 13th of October. Um, and I think we should probably, that's that's quite an important anchor point, because I think we should, we should, we're going to start by saying where we are now. And in these turbulent times, actually locating us in time and space is, is, quite, um, is quite useful. So, Nick, where are we, where are we now? <laughs> where does well, the fallout continue? Well, I think the answer is we're in limbo. <clears throat> we're in limbo for two reasons. <clears throat> Pardon me. Firstly, because um, of the extremely odd um, situation regarding what the Bank of England is or isn't doing. And uh, that is the support measures that were introduced in a panic uh, two weeks ago, almost two weeks ago, to stabilise the gilt market, um, uh, which are due to expire tomorrow. And um, you perhaps um, having even stronger views than I do about the messaging over this. So we're in limbo until we see what um, happens on Monday if there is continuing pressure in the gilt market and particularly on pension funds with their LDI strategies and, and margin calls. I mean, it's worth so, saying then on this, isn't it? That So Andrew Bailey, having not really been very visible when the first um, turmoil happened after the mini budgets, um, or, uh, saying we'll do whatever it takes, then obviously there's this there's a huge intervention in the markets up to 65 billion. Not all of that has been has been actually realised, but you know that was the the kind of war chest that that they had. We're going to run until. Tomorrow, 14th of October, Andrew Bailey comes out on, I think, Tuesday this week in New York saying, well, you know, we're stopping. Whatever happens, we're going to stop on um, on Friday. So you've got three days to sort yourself without pension funds. Having it being reported that the Bank of England was privately saying to um, the market behind the scenes, well, you know, if, if this does carry on, we'll have to step in again. And I think that there is this sense that the Bank of England will have. And it's, it's hard there and it's a really hard position, aren't they? They've got financial stability on the one hand, but also controlling inflation on the other. And all this intervention is very inflationary. You know, it was it was kind of acceptable in the COVID period to have a kind of inflationary um, intervention. But now we're, we're kind of getting back to business as, as normal. So pumping this money into the markets is causing all kinds of um, problems on the inflationary net. But it kind of puts Bank of England in a bit of a between a rock and a hard place because by saying we're not going to do anything, then what kind of credibility do they have? And who is going to believe whatever they say about, you know, raising interest rates and doing whatever it takes and so on, if they are then in the position next week of having to bail out the market again because we're in a crisis. So that's I have to say, I, I saw the um I saw the comments and kind of put my head in my head and thought, why? Why was that necessary to um I know. I know. to, to so be in this so interview? So there we are. Particular situation. The other cause of um, being in limbo is that the Chancellor seems to think that this, the broader picture about the growth pa uh, plans and where the heck the money is coming from and public spending cuts or no public spending cuts, can somehow wait another three weeks until 31st of October. And I don't think anybody believes that's possible. He's already brought it forward a month. Mm. So, um, that again is a sort of limbo period. Now, what is really interesting is um, just before we um, started recording, I checked the gilt market, the stock market and sterling. And actually, they're all having a sort of calm day. I mean, in fact, the gilt market has improved dramatically. 
well, hey, what's dramatic when you've got 30 and 40 basis point basis points yeah. in a market that usually only moves by two or four in a day? Um, but the 30-year gilt yield has dropped this morning and it's off 30 basis points. Uh, that was about an hour and a quarter ago, I suppose. FTSE market, uh, FTSE 100, is at 6836, which is up very marginally, 0.15%. And sterling is at sort of 111 and a half to the dollar and 115 to the euro. So it's not really going up or going down. I mean, having said that, I looked at that half an hour ago and I could be completely wrong yeah. on this. So we're in we're in limbo, Joe. That's where we are. And I think are. and I think we're we're saying that really Monday next week is going to be when we'll see you know, if there is another crisis um, brewing. And, you know, there's all, all kinds of um, political chatter. And I think you had a lovely um, quote about what the government, the position of the government so far in terms of the mini budget and, and rolling back on things. Yeah, um, yes, yes. It was a, senior, a very, very senior Tory MP um, who uh, said to the uh, to ITV's chief political correspondent um, that um, he imagined that there might well be some further changes to the um, so-called uh, mini-budget fiscal um, event uh, um, plans, uh, because after all, after government's um, done one U-turn, it knows the route. And this is really problematic, isn't it? Because I think we've talked about the the, the whole point, you know, it's not an unreasonable um, project to be following, is that they want business growth. You know, we want to we want to grow the economy and, you know, not have to cut any any, any spending because actually there'll be more money in the pot to, to go round. And I think, again, you've, you've found some really interesting. I mean, we, we're sceptical about how plausible that is in this turmoil. You know, when when businesses don't have confidence and they don't, they're not sure about what the, mm. they're investing into and we need a kind of, even six months, we've talked about the energy um, guarantee for businesses not really being long enough because you want a kind of 12, 18 month horizon really to make some of these decisions. And and you picked some, up some interesting um, perspective from uh, Vesta on on Twitter about those those kind of factors that go into yes, investing yes. I mean, decisions. I mean, he, he he was really saying, um, I mean, he, it was a long thread on Twitter and he was listing the, um, you know, the major influences when um, you know, significant business investment decisions are made. I mean, one of the one of the factors, and you know, the government's very keen on tax as a as an influencer driver here. And he put it, I think, fifth on his list. And the much more important things, as far as he was concerned, and and he's talking about decades of experience mm. of business investment. And he talks about um, uh, interesting things. I mean, labour. Uh, you know, is the the does he have the you know are there the human resources to carry out the project? Yeah. Secondly, um, what is the market in terms of consumption? You know, we're not talking about just consumers, but about the end um, uh, landing point for the product or the service or whatever, whatever else. You know, what state is that in? And of course, mm. at the moment, and that's consumer confidence, isn't it? And it's about it's people having money to spend. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Um, he talked also, um, very interesting, about infrastructure, saying there is no point starting a project or planning a project somewhere where the workforce can't get there, even assuming you've got a workforce. Yeah. You know, and and but he said tax, and and what he did also say about tax was he broke it down slightly and said yes, it's it is an influence um, on its own. It probably wouldn't decide a, um, an investment, wouldn't wouldn't um, dominate a, a discussion about an investment. 
but what would dominate it would be the impact or the, or the differentiation between taxes that reflect the success of the project and those that don't and of course he's talking about business rates of course yeah. he is um, and that has gone off completely like off radar, hasn't it? We, we were talking about that a lot during COVID, where that that big shift to online shopping and those poor retailers with bricks and mortar um, yeah. stores who were just, you know, being being clobbered by by the, these fixed costs. And there was a big clamour to um, to reform that 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 system, but that's really kind of disappeared. And, so, and this is the problem, I think, with all the the political turmoil that that's going on, and lots of you know discussions in around the future of the PM or whatever, you, you kind of lose actually what what can make a real difference to, to the business environment, which is, you know, people taking up these calls and there being parliamentary time to to actually make changes and there being a time in government to actually look at some of these other yes. um, projects that aren't, you know, the kind of four. It, it, it's a bandwidth issue. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately we've had now years and years of bandwidth limitation in government, you know, starting way back in t- you know, bef- before the vote in 2016, yeah. the B the B vote, the big vote, um, you know, and it's gone on. And then we had COVID, and then we had the war in Ukraine and the impact of of that. And now, blow me, we've got this latest Farago going on. So you know, it's 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 really difficult. Hard. So I think that's that, so that's the I, th- I suppose that's our our takeaway that it's it's a kind of limbo, but you know, really the part there's a rocky path. There doesn't seem to be a lot that businesses can hold on to at the moment. Um, and I suppose yeah, the 31st of October um, is a is a is a point if we get that far before things happen. And Monday, you know, the the more the more um, the, the the closer point is 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 Monday to see what happens in the markets. Let's have a look, um, Nick. Then GDP. That was another yep. number that we got um, this yes, week. Came out came out yesterday. Um, the market was expecting um, a flat outcome for August, and and we should. You, um, put out there the usual caveats it's only a monthly figure yeah. not a quarterly figure so um uh, you know take take this with a slight grain of salt but zero growth was what the reuters poll of economists was expecting and we got a 0.3 percent decline and some comments from various people saying well i guess that proves that the improvement in july was just a blip equally this could it's be a blip yeah, it's really hard. I think they, they say even Charlie Bean, who was at OBR and I think previously on, on, on the MPC, was saying monthly figures take with a bit a bit of a pinch of salt. But but again, you know, the forecasters, the people that are looking at these numbers and expect and looking at what they're expecting know that. So they kind of I I always feel it's it, they are the the interesting thing about these numbers is often when they deviate from what forecasters were expecting. Yes. Um yeah, yes, yes, it is. Uh, I mean the the big number was a huge decline in manufacturing of 1.6%. But that does look as though it had a lot to do with the government scaling back its health service spending, and so cutbacks at pharmaceutical uh, uh, businesses. Also, there was some change in maintenance work slowing down in the oil and gas sector. We're not quite clear why, but anyway, it did. So 1.6%, and that may be a one-off for the the month. What is not a one-off in terms of the risks faced by our listeners, is output in the arts, entertainment and recreation uh, sector fell by 5%. And in the food and accommodation services sector, hospitality, 
1.8%. So that is cost of living issues yeah. Um, yeah. feeding through. Um, and, uh, you know, so I, I think you can read various things into these numbers, but they ain't pretty. Um, and again, there was a suggestion that, um, you know, the only reason July was positive was because of the Queen's Platinum, the late Queen's Platinum Jubilee celebrations. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. I think the sooner we get some quarterly figures. We need quarterly figures, don't we? I think they they give us a bit of picture. But then there's always revisions. I think this is it does feel like kind of trying to, to um, hold on to jelly at the moment, because whatever well, you get well, quarter, there they often tends to be revisions yeah, to previous yes, numbers. Yes, I mean, that's inevitable because there's such pressure these days, which you know I don't remember 10, 15 years ago, um, to get these numbers out so quickly. Yeah, yeah that's true. That you're, they're always going yeah. to be a slight there's going to be a slight element of you know of, of licking your finger and sticking it up to the prevailing wind and seeing which way it's blowing um so and then when you get the detailed work yeah you, you find other things yeah. the other thing i think now linked link into this is some interesting research from interpass isn't there some comments on what's happening with insolvencies yes now now interpath um have looked at just one aspect of company insolvencies which is administration appointments for the quarter to uh, September, so uh, Q3 2022, and they are up 50% quarter on quarter, 50%. They're not yet at pre-pandemic levels. So we, I mean, to put some, some detail on it, there were 265 administrations in that quarter. Mm -hmm. um, Pre-pandemic, uh, the same quarter, uh, Q3 2019 was 401, yeah. but August on its own was the highest monthly total of administrations since before the pandemic. So we are on a it's trend. Trend, mm. and and what Interpath went on to say, which I think is actually a very perspicacious sort of uh, comment. Yeah. Summer months are often a quiet or quieter period for corporate insolvencies for all sorts of reasons. And so the fact that August witnessed the highest monthly total in more than two years is, is they say, quite telling. Yeah. And they suggest that perhaps that's the first real evidence of a significant shift, shift in insolvency activity. And the point I would make, um, sort of adding to that, is with administrations, broadly speaking, because of the complexity and the cost, uh, even uh, even now it's much simpler to put a company into administration. The fact remains that's not a path you're going down unless there's a business to save or a better result to produce them with a liquidation. So these are, broadly speaking, bigger companies going under or going into yeah. restructuring. What, these, what this is not talking about is what we've seen for the last seven, eight months, nine months which was a heavy preponderance of battle-weary SME owners calling it a day with a CVL. This is something different. Yeah. And so, you know, with administrations rising, uh, we know that compulsory winding up activity is rising as HMRC particularly gets more active. So this does feed into, I, I, I still don't think there's a tsunami heading our way. I think that we're already in deep water. You know, if you look at the cumulative figures, I think we talked about it uh, yeah. one or two po podcasts back. You know, we are heading towards the second um, highest number of company insolvencies in history. 
worse. And you know, and I think the other the other point to make is a contagion, isn't there? So as you mm. as you see a rise in administrations, that will have a ripple effect. Has certainly has the potential to have a ripple effect um, to other companies, you know, in the in the ecosystem around those um, those companies. So we, you know, we again may see some some uptick in some of the other types of insolvency um, yes, proceedings. Yes, it's, it's interesting. On, on, on the basis of the first nine months of the year, we are going to have um, roughly speaking twenty three thousand company failures this year. Um, That's high. Well, the highest ever was twenty six thousand um, just post the or, or in the in the full in the financial crisis, global financial crisis. Yeah. Um, I am actually on record um, in an SME um, monitor publication that'll be coming out fairly soon, predicting we'll have thirty thousand next year. And the reason I'm saying that, and, wow. and it's something that's also picked up by in the comments uh, to to this administration analysis by. Interpath is interest rates. Back to interest rates. Now, if interest rates, you know, we, we worry about mortgages, but businesses are affected yeah. by this. Not everybody is on a, uh, a loan, although there's a good deal less sort of um, variable um, overdraft type type lending. But nonetheless, you know, businesses are interest rate sensitive, and if interest rates, you know, go above five percent. And stay above five. Sorry, they could easily be above six or seven percent. Yeah, um, yeah. Thirty-year uh, mortgages are at seven percent this morning. Um, yes. If if they go to those sorts of levels, that must put increased pressure on cash flows for those businesses with high debt levels, and particularly those with an unhedged position, which is just about every SME because they don't yeah. have the resources or yeah. the ability to hedge, or the instinct sometimes. Um, and we know from what the government quite rightly did to keep businesses alive through the pandemic that we have got bloated balance sheets that are debt heavy mm. and and there are still some legacy liabilities out there for deferred HMRC, time to pay arrangements, rent deals, you know, for arrears, COVID arrears. So, um, you know, Balance sheets are not in a good position. So if you then, and of course the argument uh, up until very, very recently has been, well, it doesn't really matter because interest rates are so low. We're no That's not, there. We're, no, we're not there. And we've got we've got at least a year, haven't we, of um, yes. of high interest rates and, you know, possibly possibly longer given given what's happened in recent weeks here. Well, it's interesting. Paul, Paul Lewis, the money. Sorry. Um, Michael Lewis, the... Um, uh, money-saving guru, uh, interesting, quoted quoted on you and yours the other day, saying, "Look, whatever's happening to mortgage rates, and of course this applies to business interest rates as well. You know, whatever may or may not happen, they are not coming back down to one percent." Yeah, I think aren't. that that era is because that was a blip. We've got to remember historically that was a that was a kind of aberration. Um, so it will normalise presumably. So, so I, you know, I think people need to look very, so we keep saying this, very carefully at their individual risks. And, um, you know, the, the likelihood is that there will be steadily rising uh, business failures and they need to be the right side of yeah. uh, that with risk, risk mitigation, risk identification. 
I don't think I could have put it better myself, Nick. And so on that note, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say um thank you very, very much as always for um for a really good steer through through what is, let's face it, very difficult um times at the moment. Thank you very much to our listeners for listening. Until next time, goodbye. Mm-hmm.